want to take this time now uh, for, as a church, to uh, do something together, uh, and that is to pray. Um, this is a, uh, a tense season in our country uh, for the election cycle, and um, I think that the best thing that we can do as a church in regarding to the election is uh, see the importance of praying um, on ourselves personally, praying for our country, asking for God's clear direction. Uh, in the leadership of our country, but then certainly to do that together as a church body. And so before we go into further uh, in, in the teaching of the Word of God, let's do that together. If you'll join with me in prayer uh, as we just seek God's direction and movement in the leadership of our country. Lord, we pray to you now as your people because we believe that you move in the details of our country in all governments. Lord, there is not one government that is not uh, a part of your influencing sway. That's our own too, Lord. Lord, we're coming upon a time of transition in our country. And Lord, it becomes pretty clear that our hope never really is in our government. And so, Lord, first we want to confess where perhaps maybe we as a church has put false hope. Presidents, senators, representatives, judges. They cannot provide for us, Lord what you can. But Lord, we also, though we have confessed that, want to repent of that, we do believe, though, that it is ours to influence. And so, Lord, we ask that you would raise up the people that you would have to lead our country for your purposes. God, unless we see and know and experience your dividing or your your guiding hand. There really is no good future for this country. Lord, we we ask that. We pray for your people everywhere in our country to come to you and talk to you. Lord, there are many things to be discouraged about about the hearts of mankind. But Lord, the only choices you've got in leadership comes with flawed hearts. Misguided, limited wisdom. So Lord, all the more why we appeal to you. Have mercy on this country, Lord. Move in it. Work in it. And Lord, may we trust you more than anything else. We love you. And Lord, we love the country not as it is, but as it could be under you. Lord, we long for an America 
that experiences you as king. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2 this morning. As we are continuing our look at what we call the coffee cup uh, sermons. Um, If you will, this is our virtual coffee cup sermon. Why do I say that? Well, many of you have uh, devices, uh, phones, tablets, will have the Bible app on there. Um, According to statistics of the YouVersion Bible app, uh, every second, 112 people in this world will open up the Bible app every second. Uh, So just kind of in range of figuring out what else is going on every second. Every second, the world conducts more than 40,000 Google searches. Every second, five new Facebook profiles are being created. And every second, the Bible app is being opened up 112 times. So that's a significant number uh, every second that's going on. Uh, So they've, according to last year's, end of last year, they had 200 million installs of this little app on their people's phones and iPads and tablets. Uh, and so it's transformed, or can transform, the phone into your Bible that you carry around. But not only is it just a Bible, but it's a Bible which you can highlight verses. You can share verses online and post them to others. Or you can bookmark it. Uh, and so this verse, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, is the top verse in all of the history across the world that has been highlighted and shared and bookmarked more than any other verse. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. In 2015, it was the top verse for United States and Canada and the United Kingdom to be highlighted and shared and uh, bookmarked in 2015. Some of you are wondering about other verses. Well, uh, Mexico and Colombia and Brazil, it was Joshua 1.9. In uh, China, it was 1 Corinthians 10.13. Nigeria and South Africa, it was Jeremiah 29.11, which we've already talked about. Australia is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And in South Korea, it was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I find that interesting. I, don't, I wonder why uh, some verses are country-dominated like that. Uh, but for whatever reasons, America, Canada, and uh, United Kingdom follows the world and what has been highlighting Romans 12, 1 and 2. So it could very well be that you go home and you do not have on your wall Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, or you may not have a coffee mug that has Romans 12, 1 and 2. But I would say that it is the virtual uh, <laughs> coffee cup verse in that it's been shared with more than any other verse across the world. And so I thought it, would, it ranks, it should uh, qualify for what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so I'm going to ask that you turn in your Bibles there. Well, let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read chapter 11, verse 36, right before that. Uh, in honor of this being God's Word, let's stand while we read this together. For from Him and through Him, And to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You may be seated. This is perhaps one of the first verses I've memorized, and I still cannot quote it in anything other than the King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Uh, and so it's imprinted there. I can do that if you woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's there. Um, it's worth memorizing. And evidently, many believers around this world have thought it's worth sharing. Bookmark, highlighted. Perhaps you've done the same. Uh, some of you probably just highlighted just now, just because you knew everyone else did. Uh, so, bam, I'm going to get notices. That some, some of you highlighted this verse. Uh, but it is about... Uh, consecrating, which we don't use that word anymore. So let's just use the word devoting ourselves to God. Uh, to say that something belongs to God. My life, my all belongs to God. And, and, and so in the same way that hopefully your toothbrush belongs to you. Uh, it's, it's unique. It's shared with no one else, but only for the purposes of your oral hygiene. Okay, And so that same way we get that, we understand it. The Bible is saying that our lives, our bodies, are being presented to God, belong uniquely, wholly to Him. And the Bible gives several reasons why. And this is in a verse that encourages us to do this, to have this mindset that everything is his. And I realize as I look across the, the, the things that are being stated around uh, philosophies of living, so it really comes down to one thing. One, you create, you create your own identity. You are what you say you are. You become who you want to be. There's that mindset. And then there's the other mindset is you belong to God. And there's really those two when it's all said and done. You create your own destiny you, you create who you want to be. No one tells you what to do or what to become. And the other one is simply, I belong to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is certainly the latter. And so why? First of all, as we're going to read, and we're going to move fast. Because you want me to move fast. Okay? Um, verse 1. I be appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. All of Romans chapter 1 through 11 is this elaborate, beautiful description of God's mercies coming down to what we know as the gospel. The salvation is the, the fine-tuning, the nuts and bolts of what the gospel is. And it is summarized here as God's mercy given to us. And so in light of that, he says, I appeal, present your bodies, dedicate yourself, devote yourself. So devotion is first a grateful expression. Uh, you know, you look at this in verse 36. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. And all the things that have been blessed, blessings to you, are these things by which God has given to us, and we respond with gratitude. The word used here, and uh, referring to the mercies of God, uh, is used for both grace and gratitude. Do you see the New Testament? It's the word charis. Uh, it goes into uh, grace and gratitude and so we've got God's grace his mercy which also forgives us 
uh, gratitude. So if you've ever felt the wind against your face, if you felt the sun warm your skin, if you smelled the fragrance of flowers, if you've heard the laughter of a child or smelled a newborn child, uh, if you held the hand of someone you love, if you woken up to the sounds of birds outside your wonder, uh, one window, if you looked out and wondered at all the stars are there, if you've seen the beauty of a sunset, if you filled your lungs uh, with oxygen, you have received God's grace. Much less if you've experienced God's forgiveness, His peace, hope of eternal life, any comfort of love. Therefore, we respond in gratitude. In the New Testament, religion is grace, and the ethic is gratitude. And so this is what forms our thinking. It's not that I I have to do anything for Christ I get to love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all and so we start off with saying I want to be devoted to something because I'm grateful for what I'm devoted to I'm grateful to God and what he's done you see the thing about the gospel is it's not something you earn you don't ever earn God's goodness. You cannot, you have a huge view of yourself if you think you can, and you have a low view of God's goodness if you think you can earn it. It is simply understanding that we are eternally separated from God, and there's nothing we can do about it. Not one thing can we do to make it right. But God comes down through Jesus Christ and gives us forgiveness and brings to us what we could not earn. That is just nothing but God's grace. If you're saved by God's grace, then the thing about that is you can no longer hold things to yourself. You have to respond with an open hand saying everything belongs to God because you don't bargain with God, therefore you can't keep anything to yourself. It is a grateful expression. Let's keep on reading. I present your bodies a living sacrifice. Consecration, devotion... Isn't just a grateful expression, it is a total presentation of yourself. What God is asking for is everything of who you are. When it says you're to be as a living sacrifice. The thing about this is that we often do want to bargain with God, uh, but you, you know, you cannot give to someone what already belongs to someone else. In other words, I could say, you know, I've really enjoyed Josh's car here. Uh, you know what? I enjoy it. I think that you would enjoy it too. Let me give you Josh's car. Well, you know, that's a problem for several reasons. Not to mention Josh isn't going to be okay with that. It, it doesn't belong to me to give. So what does it mean that we can say that we can give God our money? How can we give it to God when it doesn't really belong to us? It belongs to Him anyway. In fact, everything that you see belongs to God. And the problem when we think that we can make bargains with God is that we really have nothing to bargain with God about. Everything already belongs to Him. See, Jesus said that we're bankrupt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Spiritual bankrupt people cannot make bargains. They have nothing to do it with. I was talking to a man. He's dealing with cancer and and dealing with uh, uh, smoking. And uh, wanting God's help. And, and he's one of these guys that uh, he tells me, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm always trying to make him bargains with God. I'm trying, you know, I think, well, maybe I can 
point people to, to the Lord here. And if I go about pointing people to the Lord, then maybe God will, will smile upon that and, and give me good favor because I'm pointing people to, to Him. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, the problem, there's several problems with that. One, that doesn't impress God. All right? God can use a donkey to do that. Uh, that that's not impressive to Him. Uh, and God isn't into your, your acts of, of sacrifice. You see, God wants you. There's really only one thing that God in His sovereignty has said, there's only one thing you can give me. That's yourself. He's not asking you to make a sacrifice. He's asking you to be the sacrifice. In fact, the Old Testament said it this way, to obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, be the sacrifice. You don't categorize your life between God, the sacred and secular, God, country, and family. That is not what Christ teaches, God, family, country, or God, country, family, or whichever order you want to put it in. The simple matter is, is that what this is teaching is God. It's all there. It's all one category of submission to God. And so, Romans 6.13 says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so, understand that God cares about your body. So much so that the Bible speaks that in the new world to come, He is going to create a new body. It is intended for your soul and your body to be united together. And that's God's ideal. So, some people say, well, this is just a vessel the Spirit is going to reside in. Yes, but that body matters to God. So even the hair, the, the fingers, uh, the toes, the tongue, the eyes, it all say, God, I want to present it to you. Thirdly, we keep on reading, our devotion is a total presentation. It is a grateful expression, but it also is an act of adoration. It says, you keep on going and read this. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or some of your translation might say, a reasonable act to do. Uh, the word uh, used here in, in being acceptable sacrifice uh, refers to both reasonable and spiritual. Uh, so you can go with, with either one of these. Uh, but the words here, presenting your body as living sacrifice, usually that was terminology for dead sacrifices. All right, you've you got to keep in mind, the Old Testament system, Bring your calf, bring your bull, bring your boat, goat, kill them. Same language, he's saying, but don't kill them. A lot of times we say, you know, I'll die for Christ. Which is admirable, but really what the scripture is saying is, why don't you live for Christ? Live for him, be as that living sacrifice. This is an act of adoration, is part of your worship. Now this makes sense when you read verse 36 of chapter 11. For him, through him, to him are all things. That means the everyday, physical things of our life belong to Jesus. That means cleaning out your car belongs to Jesus. That means taking out the trash belongs to Jesus. That means making dinner and cleaning the dishes is, is part of things that belong to Jesus. That means in the traffic, this traffic, the roads and everything belong to Jesus. Your job belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Him, from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Therefore, everything is an act of worship. Did you know already that everything you do is an act of worship? The real question is, is what are you worshiping? 
That is really the only question. And so when he says this, it's an act of adoration. And say, hey, you know, make it revolve around me. Make it in relationship to who Jesus is. We are relational at our core. In fact, it might be part of the prime existence of who we are. That we cannot be unless we can relate. So my total identity is that I belong to God. Belong to Jesus. I, I think about this in the movie uh, Castaway. You remember this, the, the FedEx employee that got uh, st- stranded on the island? He, he couldn't live on his own. And so, you know, a ball washes up. And that ball now becomes Wilson. His buddy. His friend. And whom he even gets angry at. He could not continue on his own and and we watch that we thought i can relate to that i can understand talking to an object because i've got to talk to something i've got to have a sense of something other someone other that by which i know myself listen that is intended to be god and so consecration devotion is an act of adoration of walking in our every day relating to him we keep on reading Devotion requires a transformation. Requires a transformation. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So before there is a yes of transformation, there needs to be a no. A no. No's are powerful. It's implying here that the way that we find ourselves is in the way of this world's thinking. It is a conforming, or implies an external force being applied on us. It's like forcing a hot wax to fit into a shape. And so the conforming is saying that this, is, this world is putting external pressure on, on making it who it wants it to be. But he's saying stop that. You must know the power of no, but be transformed And now it's talking about an internal force that changes to the external. By the renewing of your mind. There must be a swapping that takes place. Uh, I remember um, when we had uh, our young children, when they were very young, we also had uh, a young dog at the same time. I don't know why we do that. We think that if we have young children, uh, this is a good time to have a young puppy. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. And so one of the things that would happen, I'd notice, is that, that, that the young uh, you know, preschoolers and toddlers' uh, toys looked a lot like the dog's toys. It, it's amazing. And, and, and so uh, every once in a while, if we weren't careful, they would be confused with their toys, uh, which was really a problem when it came time to the chew toys. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really important to say uh, to our dog, Mobby, at the time, no, no, you can't chew Molly's chew toy, you know. Uh, we had to make a, a, a transference that's taking place because it was good for everyone's health that that was necessary. So here's the thing, is God is asking us for a, a, a transfer to take place. There must be a no saying, this world is saying certain things. We don't have to go down that direction. Let the word of God dwell in your heart. Let the spirit of God speak to you through the word of God. Let that be the transforming force in your mind. So the simple question is, what do you think about mostly during the day? Comes down to simple things. What do you think about most of your day? I would share that 
Christ and his word doesn't come to your mind by accident. You cannot accidentally grow into Christ-likeness. You cannot accidentally be transformed into the image of Christ. There must be an act of worship on your part that says, I will intentionally seek God's word, seek Christ in the every day of my life. So it is learning to thank Christ as you go. Did you know you can thank Christ in everything? I had to go through some, sometimes you have difficult conversations and you know you're going to have difficult conversations and you you think, you know, just stressed out, you're tired, you're exhausted and you haven't even talked with them yet, you know. Um, And certainly by the time the conversation is over with, you're kind of, you're out for the day. But you know, one of the things I was thinking through is, is remembering, okay, how do I thank Christ in the midst of this, and realizing that, God, thank you that in this I was seeking you, I was crying out to you, and this was an opportunity for me to draw near to you. Thank you, Lord, for difficult conversations that helped me come to know you more. In everything in your life, there is that opportunity. We had good food all this week. I, you know, I had a church take me out for revival night after night. I was eating all this great food. And, but it was an opportunity for me to taste the glory of God. Amen? That's a good thing. But that's part of eating. And, and so there's all these things. If you believe 1136 and all these things belonging to God, there's opportunity for us to adore Him, but also have transformation in the everyday of our life when we go to the Lord in the midst of these things. So the good news about that is you don't have to be in this room with me talking to you 24 hours a day, though sometimes it feels like it, all right, for you to grow. It happens in the everyday as you go to the Word of God. In the everyday, believing that Christ is there, speaking to you, drawing you, helping you have his perspective in the everyday, if nothing else, to thank God for him. So don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Perhaps maybe that's one of the most, why it's one of the most quoted verses in this world. Because no matter what country you live in, we feel the same external pressures. And there's a cry out, God, keep us from what we see, help us to be different, be other by your grace. And then, lastly, as we go in, we keep on reading. Why do we do this? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So devotion is preliminary to revelation. Devotion is preliminary to revelation. In other words, you want to know what God's will is? There has to be a willingness to surrender to what God is going to call you to do. Every once in a while, I have family members that ask me what I, what I think about certain uh, objects or dress. And what I found is it doesn't really matter what I say. <laughs> I'm not really sure why they're asking. So at some point, and you're there asking, what, what do you think about this? Well, you really want to know my opinion? No, not really. <laughs> At some point, you stop giving it. You stop giving your opinion when you know that people don't really want it. It could very well be that perhaps maybe there's confusion or lack of clarity in the direction of your life. When you're asking, God, God, what, what's, what's the plan here? God, what direction do I need to go? I, I can't figure out which way to go. Perhaps maybe there is a lack of clarity because God knows that in your heart you don't want to know. Now, why would God think that? 
I mean, that seems kind of mean of God. Why, why on earth would God ever think that, he, that you wouldn't want to know? Because you don't. And all you have to do is look back at the last thing God told you to do. If there's a lack of clarity about the direction that God would have you go in your life, Perhaps the first question we need to ask is, what was the last thing God told me to do? Don't expect to be further revelation when you've got current disobedience, what God's told you to do. There's all kinds of reasons why we might not disobey. I won't go into that, but a lot of it is holding on to false securities. You know something scary about this idea? Because basically what's presented here is that God is asking you to put your yes forever on the table. Anything that God asks you to do, that you will ultimately respond with, yes, Lord. That's a little bit terrifying, isn't it? Because what, what if God asks you to do something horrible, scary, something you don't want to do? What if God asks me to do that then? And the real question then is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? And what are you holding on to right now that's going to offer you all that you want? I think about that with hurricanes. You know, it's, we've got a fresh reminder of that. And looking down at Hilton Head, Charleston, that area where uh, especially was, was strong Wilmington. Uh, and looking at the harbors. It, it, uh, there's a harbor we go to in, in Hilton Head that the, the pier was just no more. And I thought back to just not long ago, a month ago that I was there, and, and seeing these huge yachts and ships and stuff out there. And uh, looking at the, the harbor, realizing it was totally empty. When a hurricane comes, you would think that in a harbor is a safe spot. you think it would be good for it to be tied upon the dock, because then you know where it's at. You know? You're not wondering. But that's the last place it needs to be. As the dock is no sure footing and safety. Because it can get swept away too. And the ship gets rocked upon the dock and rocked upon the land and devastated. That the only safe place for a large ship is out to sea. Let go of what it once held on to. You see, there are certain things we hold on to. That we think, well, I'm not going to follow God on these points because these, these are little safety concerns. or These are my little safety blankets, things that I think I feel comfortable with. There's my comfortable zone. The waters are not that rough in these areas. But that is okay as long as storms hold to a certain level. But when life comes in full force and there are things beyond your control, you're going to find that those securities that you have are not going to keep you safe. And in fact, those become the very thing that is used to destroy your soul. And so God knows well in advance the storms that are coming. And so he says to you, there is one safe harbor in your life forever. And that is if you will present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And to me, trust God. Trust the one who loved you and died for you. Do not let there be any false safety moorings that you hold on to. Because the storms will come. It is then 
when you let go of the ropes and you say, okay, God, you be my guide. I'll trust you. You'll take me places that I don't normally go. But I will also see what is that good, what is that perfect, what is the acceptable will of God. And let me ask you, let me just present to you, if it's acceptable to God, don't you think it'll be acceptable to you as well? Lord, my best desire fulfill and help me to resign life, health, and comfort to thy will. Make your pleasure mine. Why should I shrink at your command, whose love forbids my fears, or tremble at the gracious hand that wipes away my tears? No, rather let me freely yield what most I prize to thee, who never hast a good withheld or wilt withhold from me. So here's what the message says in the same verse. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you. It is the best thing you can do for them. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And develops well-formed maturity in you. Will you go along with that? Let's pray.